Hey there. Here's the thing about Lillian Karabayak. I talk sometimes about building a dojo, like a self-defense training school for dealing with the horrible cost of healthcare. And, you know, it, it's a metaphor, a, a work in progress, a, a metaphor in progress. Lillian is a black belt in this stuff. In fact, she's a teacher. I ask her to introduce herself and she says, I'm Lillian Kerbake and I am a podcast and YouTube host that talks about personal finance. And unfortunately, a lot of the time that has to do with healthcare. Lillian comes by all of this so honestly. She's always been good with the dollar and she's had to be. One, because she's always wanted to do good things. She spent her 20s working for nonprofits, which doesn't pay a lot. And two, because she's got rheumatoid arthritis, started having symptoms when she was 18 couldn't hold a pen. So unlike people who are young and indestructible, she experienced herself as being pretty destructible and as needing to think hard about the financial side of healthcare, especially when she finally got access to a drug called Enbrel. Within about three weeks, I went from not able to make a fist to like 99% symptom-free. It was spectacularly life-changing for me. I was like, other people live like this? You can just, like, open doorknobs? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Enbrel was not cheap. Lillian says it was like 800 bucks a month when she started taking it in 2015, which, on her income, or on most people's income, it's a lot of money. When I went into covering personal finance, I it just... Healthcare is such a large freaking part of it. And the stakes for her have only gotten higher. Right now, Enbrel's list price is about $12,000 a month. Yeah, it's gone from $800 a month to $12,000. That's 15 times more expensive than it was seven years ago. Lillian plans and plans. Like, she had to pick new insurance recently. She went over the options with a fine-tooth comb. And in January, with new insurance, she's got a whole routine of chasing the pre-authorization she needs. So when she goes to fill her first prescription of the year, everything's lined up. It's my whole, like, I just, this is every January for me. It's a lot. And then in February this year, a surprise. I just got all of a sudden a text message from my specialty pharmacy saying that I have a $3,000 copay. That's not a text message that anybody wants to wake up to. Definitely not. And the story behind that text message, it illuminates a ton. This is An Arm and a Leg, a show about why healthcare costs so freaking much and what we can maybe do about it. I'm Dan Weissman. I'm a reporter, and I like a challenge. So my job on this show is to take one of the most enraging, terrifying, depressing parts of American life and bring you a show that's entertaining and empowering and useful. And in the last few months, in an effort to hit that useful part as hard as possible, I've started putting out a newsletter called First Aid Kit, summing up some of the useful things I've learned in my reporting for this show, like how to pick the least crappy health insurance, how to avoid getting ripped off on tests like x-rays and MRIs, and last week, how to sometimes avoid paying through the nose for prescription drugs, which I have to tell you, it did kind of put my cheerfulness to the test because I probably don't have to tell you. Pharma, drugs, that's a big mess. And handing out advice about it is a classic first aid kit type situation. Like, I can show you where the Band-Aids are, and a Band-Aid can definitely do you some good sometimes. It's good to know where they are, but a lot of the time, a Band-Aid just doesn't cut it. I mean, I can point you to a website called GoodRx. You might have heard of it, and in some situations, it can save you real money, show you how to avoid paying a stupid amount, like a generic blood pressure drug. You go to the wrong place, like that would be Walgreens in my area, you could pay 128 bucks, 
Or with an online coupon, you could go somewhere else and pay $6.51. That's good to know about. But that is not the kind of drug Lillian Karabayic is on. If another person suggests good RX to me, I'm going to throw a fit. <laughs> yeah. I would like to put you to the challenge of go look up good RX for Enbrawl because the best price I can get with good RX is $6,000 a month. <laughs> so. <laughs> and you know, that is half the list price, but it's not exactly affordable for most of us, including Lillian. And good RX is mostly for if you're not using insurance. Lillian puts all this work into having insurance that's supposed to protect her from the wild price of this drug. To understand what Lillian is caught up in, we need to zoom out. Here's the deal. When you run into problems getting the meds you need at a price you can afford, there's multiple sets of players who are involved here. I'm going to call them sharks. Like we're out at sea with maybe a life jacket, and there are these multiple sets of sharks who are basically fighting each other and taking bites out of us. And I mean, for them, it's like a game. They're trying to outmaneuver each other, get more money. But it all ends with us getting eaten alive. One group of sharks, you've probably guessed, are the pharmaceutical companies, like the makers of Enbrel, raising the sticker price to $12,000 a month. And then there are the insurance company sharks. They would like to avoid paying those wild prices for those medications. And I should mention, there's another group of sharks here. There's a middleman company called a pharmacy benefit manager. Does a lot of the insurance company's work on drug stuff. And they take a cut out of every prescription. And I won't go into detail here. It took me a whole episode to explain their story. And I'll include a link to that episode for you here. But they are a major shark. They book major profits. And to keep it simple here, I will refer to them and the insurance company as one shark. So... The drug maker sharks set the price super high. That's their move in this game. Now it's time for the insurance company's move. And they make it against you. They structure your plan, your insurance plan, so that you have to pay more for those meds. So maybe you're used to a $10 copay. Yeah, for some drugs, especially expensive drugs, they'll make it more than that, like maybe a lot more. Like, so take Lillian, for example. So for my drug, I have a 60% coinsurance after I meet deductible. Yeah, okay, wait, let's translate that from insurance speak. Deductible, that's the amount Lillian has to pay before her insurance kicks in at all. For her, that's 3,000 bucks. And then there's coinsurance. One of the rudest pieces of insurance speak. It is my percentage of whatever the cost is. It's like, hey, I'm co-insuring myself, dig me. So Lillian is co-insuring herself for a drug that costs thousands of dollars a month. So 60% coinsurance is, guess what? That's pretty big. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sucks for us. But the drug company sharks think it sucks for them too. Because if Lillian doesn't come up with her 3000 bucks, there's no sale. The insurance company doesn't pay anything. The drug company gets zero. So here's the drug company's next shark move. They give money to patients to meet those costs, the coinsurance, the deductible. Some patients get coupons to give to the pharmacist. Sometimes they get grants funneled through foundations the pharma companies set up just to give people money for drug deductibles and copays. And make no mistake, these programs are a shark move. A Wall Street Journal story documented that with one of these programs, this one was set up as a foundation funded by the drug company. 
the drug company made back 20 times what it put in. Oh, I mean, respect to the shark. So here's the insurance shark's counter move to that one. It's called a copay accumulator. And in this move, the insurance company and their pals, the pharmacy benefit manager, say to me, hey, Dan, or hey, Lillian Karabayek, you've paid your share when we say you've paid your share, like you personally. We say your share is 3000 bucks. You get 3000 bucks from somebody else. Great. Good for you. But that does not count. Pay up. Which is how Lillian landed here. I just got all of a sudden a text message from my specialty pharmacy saying that I have a $3,000 copay. And there's a big question. How did somebody as obsessively attentive as Lillian Karabayek get surprised by this? We'll come back to that. It's big. But first, let's zoom in on a couple of details that Lillian has observed because they reveal more moves and counter moves by the sharks on both sides now that the insurance sharks have unleashed their copay accumulator strategy. Starting with Here's how Lillian gets that patient assistance money from the drug company. The pharmaceutical company put money on a Visa debit card, and it's in my name. It's in a debit card in my name. Yeah, and Lillian smells a shark in that. I think it's part of their continued attempt to evade detection by the pharmacy benefit managers. Like, they try to make it look like it's just me paying with my own debit card. Lillian is 100% right about this. The CEO, one of the big pharmacy benefit managers, told reporters these debit cards are part of a cat and mouse game. I mean, I'm going to call it a shark and shark game. And Lillian is seeing one of the insurance company's counter moves. When she goes to pay for her meds, the payment portal has a special message. They specifically say you're not allowed to input um, manufacturer cards. Even if they are a Visa or debit card, they say like on the thing, like, do not enter this as a card. You have to call us. But they're telling you that they expect you to pay. And if you don't, then you're somehow in breach and they're going to mess with you. Someone's going to come for money from me at some point, but I'm putting it off. <laughs> Lillian thinks the insurance folks are paying high level nerds to sniff out these debit cards from the drug company. So if she doesn't tell them, they'll know which is a lot of levels. And two things here. One, we checked with analysts, people who cover the drug industry and the associated insurance garbage, and they were like, yeah, Lillian's right. The insurance folks are totally hiring those nerds to sniff out those debit cards. And two, did you notice how in this latest move, the insurance people are putting Lillian right in the middle of this? They're saying, if this money is from the drug company, you have to call us and let us know. I mean, it's bananas. And let's get back to that big question. Lillian Karabayek, of all people, got caught by surprise here. And not because she had not been keeping a careful eye out for this specific problem. Um, I called everyone. And this is now the third time that I've switched insurance where I've been worried about these copay accumulator rules. And I have called pharmacy billing companies, the salespeople for the insurance. I have called like member services to be like, hello, I need to find out how much this drug would be because I'm researching this plan. And I need to know, does this plan have one of those copay accumulator things? A lot of the time, Lillian says the people on the phone had no idea what she was even asking about. So yeah, this is not a failure on Lillian's part. You could call it a success on the part of the insurance sharks because Lillian's not the only person looking for this information. There is a team of professionals on the case, too, digging into plans across the country. And a lot of the time, they came up empty, too. But they did find out a lot. That's right after this. 
This episode of An Arm and a Leg is produced in partnership with Kaiser Health News. That's a nonprofit newsroom covering healthcare in America. Kaiser Health News is not affiliated with the healthcare giant Kaiser Permanente. We'll have more information about KHN at the end of this episode. And my pals at Texas Public Radio have a show you might like where the journalist Kitty Isley takes on a topic that can be terrifying and deeply personal and gives us something useful, thoughtful, sometimes funny. It's called 24-7. Here's Kitty. Did you ever think you'd become a parent to your parents? It happened to me a lot earlier than I expected, and I kept a diary. Okay, Ernest Hemingway, here's your mug that says Ernest Hemingway on it. Okay, good. Be sure to drink your Ensure, and I'll make you a milkshake later. Okay. I'm Kitty Isley. I host 24-7, a podcast about caregiving. It came from my experience moving back home to take care of my dad as he aged and trying to find advice about how to do it. I called friends and experts and complete strangers to ask about everything from how to give my dad a shave to how to talk about dying. And sometimes hearing about other people's crazy experiences made me laugh and feel a lot less alone. Y'all, I put sanitizer on my mother's hand and then she ate it. I want to make it easier for us to take care of the people we love when they can't care for themselves. I hope you'll give it a listen. You can find 24-7, a podcast about caregiving at tpr.org slash 247 and wherever you get your podcasts. So Lillian Karabayek had done her best to find an insurance plan without one of these copay accumulator policies. And as she found out, you can't always tell, no matter how hard and how smart you work, ever, anywhere. I mean, you might not think there's anybody more determined or better equipped than Lillian Karabayek to go digging for this information, but how about a team of professionals? Yeah, Lillian passed me a report from a nonprofit group called the AIDS Institute. I talked with the author. So uh, my name's Stephanie Hengst. I am a manager of policy and research at the AIDS Institute. So Lillian tried to find out ahead of time if her insurance plan included one of those copay accumulators. Well, Stephanie and her colleagues did the same thing with every health insurance plan on every Obamacare exchange across the country that could possibly have one. So there are 234 plans. That we looked through. And <laughs> There's that little rueful laugh. Yeah, like how many how many of you were there doing this? Uh, three. <laughs> yeah, and it took them three weeks. Full time, three people. And they had done it before. So they had their spreadsheets all set up ahead of time. All the links they used last time in there already. This year I was thinking, oh, this is going to be quick and easy. And it never is. Um, because links change and information doesn't exist. <laughs> it sounds awful. How, I mean, how do you keep yourself going through that? Like, is there like just like a shit talking Slack channel or a, you know, like what do you do? You have music that you blast? Uh, probably a little bit of all of the above. And that was just the beginning because in about a third of the plans they looked at, the information was not online. So they called the 800 number. And then you get into the issue with phone calls of like getting the right person on the line Uh who knows what you're talking about. So you spend a lot of time on trying to ask the right question in the right way so that you get the right person. Right. Which sounds pretty familiar to anybody who's ever called their insurance. And guess what? Stephanie and her colleagues 
were not always able to get the information they were looking for. And these are the pros. This is my job. This is what I do for a living. I understand insurance. I understand the like questions. I understand yada yada. Yeah. And she's got colleagues with that shit talking Slack channel to egg each other on. And they're on the clock, not stealing time from something else when they're making these calls. Those are big advantages when they're asking, can you tell me, does this policy include one of those copay accumulator deals, this thing where my share of a drug's cost has to come out of my own personal pocket, going to maybe cost me thousands of extra dollars? And still, dozens of times, they came up completely empty. And Stephanie says nobody was breaking the law here. She says there is a federal rule about disclosing these policies. But this type of information database is not available to people until you are enrolled in the plan. So it's too late at that point. Holy shit. This is like after you buy the used car, then it'll give you the mechanics report. Correct. Yes. That's exactly it. But okay. A lot of the time they did get the information. They're professionals. And what they found was pretty alarming. In most states, most insurance plans do include these copay accumulators. In some states, every plan includes one. And these are the plans you can buy on Obamacare exchanges, individual coverage. What if you get insurance from work? Stephanie found a study from an industry group showing that more than a third of big employers have policies that use copay accumulators. And that percentage is growing. So a lot of us and more all the time are at risk of getting caught in this shark versus shark game where if we happen to need a really expensive drug, we better have a lot of our own personal money to burn. I run my whole shark versus shark metaphor by Stephanie. Yeah, you're... You're pretty spot on, I would say. <laughs> um, we, you know, we we use different words, but it's the same exact narrative that you've outlined where patients are caught in the middle between these two massive industries and it's the patients that are being stuck in the middle and who are being hurt because they can't access their prescription drugs. And a lot of these are like, you know, not just maintenance drugs, they're life-saving drugs. Yeah, right. I mean, it's not a coincidence that Stephanie did this report for the AIDS Institute. Drugs to treat HIV can be really, really expensive. Also, drugs that treat cancer. But these shark games are not exactly front page news. For one thing, they're hard to sum up in a headline. It's a hard topic for a lot of people to like understand. Insurance is complicated in and of itself. And then when you're finding this tiny little nuanced policy that doesn't affect everybody, but I think it affects more people than we think. Well, it could affect any of us, right? Like my doctor could tell me tomorrow, like, hey, Dan, you've got this funky cancer. I mean, right. knock wood, I hope that doesn't happen. But like that could be it. I mean, that's that is why we have insurance. Correct. Yes. If my doctor's like, hey, Dan, you have this funky mm-hmm. cancer. I'm like, and I can worry mm-hmm. about like, I hope the fucking treatment works and not think about like, I have to remortgage my yeah. house. Yeah, that's the definition of insurance. <laughs> that's why we have it. Yeah. And if the reason we have insurance is to, you know, get access to care we couldn't afford on our own, for a drug, that does not have to be tens of thousands of dollars. Stephanie's report includes an alarming figure. She pulled it from a study by a fancy healthcare consulting group called IQVIA. They found that if filling a new prescription means spending 250 bucks out of pocket, 70% of people just don't fill it. They walk away, don't get their meds. That's a lot of prescriptions, just not getting filled. A lot. Which is maybe the point. When we can't afford our share of a drug's price, the insurance company doesn't have to shell out for theirs. At all. And they say these copay accumulators are for lowering the total amount an insurance plan spends on drugs. That's what they're for. 
And it's complicated, right? I mean, the drug companies are very much a bunch of sharks. They are setting the prices super high. Remember, Lillian's drug is 15 times more expensive than it was when she started taking it. And, you know, a couple of drug companies funded Stephanie's report, by the way, because if there's one thing these sharks love, it's pointing a finger or a fin or whatever at another shark saying, watch out, there's a shark. I mean, they are always right, which is different from saying you can trust them. It's crazy making. These sharks are eating us alive and they are making wild, wild profits. I did say right right up top that going deep on drugs is absolutely testing my usual like WTF kind of cheerfulness. Enraging, terrifying, depressing. Yes, yes, and yes. But I've got a few things for you here. Empowering, useful, let's give it a shot. First, when Stephanie Hanks and her colleagues at the AIDS Institute called insurance companies to ask whether a given plan included a copay accumulator, they made themselves a how-to a tip sheet for getting straight answers. One of the first years that we did this, um, I put together just like a step-by-step of like, this is how you can try and find it. Yeah, and she's sharing it with us. I mean, she's got caveats. The hard thing and the unfortunate thing is there is no ABC process for this. I mean, I know, right? Like every stupid call is different, but a tip sheet by professionals seems like a really valuable thing to have. I will take it and we'll post it. So that's one. Two, This may be an instance where the government steps in and says, hey, sharks, that game is too freaking rough. These copay accumulator programs have only been around for a few years, but already a dozen states have banned them and others are considering it. I'll have a link to a report showing which states are which. And if yours isn't one of them, you might want to call up your state rep, do a little Googling, find out what's shaking in your state. And, you know, as we've discussed, most people who get insurance from work, that insurance is actually regulated by the feds and not by states at all. And federal regulators have been considering a ban on these programs, too, at least for drugs where there's no generic. They've been waffling. Stephanie's frustrated, but maybe we can help them get off the fence. I've asked Stephanie to keep us posted on how. But this is a big problem. Right now, there is no way to be informed, organized and determined enough to avoid getting caught. If there were, Lillian Karabayak would have found a way. And if there were a way to wriggle out of this trap, she's the one I'd pick to find that, too. She's been putting in the time. In fact, I asked her, how much? She was like, here, we can run the report right now. (laughs) Yeah, because she's used time tracking software, of course. It has been, okay, so it has been nine hours and 32 minutes in the past two weeks that I have spent on healthcare admin, which is mostly being on phone calls. And she's going to be putting in more time. She's gotten the insurance company to open up a claims audit. That's still in the works. And she doesn't really expect it to work for her in the end. I'm kind of delaying the inevitable at least long enough to apply for a credit card that has a decent point sign-up bonus. So at least I can get something out of this entire situation. (laughs) And have the satisfaction of giving these folks the hardest time possible. And I won't die without this drug. I will slowly degrade, but I will not die. (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, Lillian says she's going to be okay financially, too. No one should be crying me a personal river about this. I can make it work, but I am also fairly unique in how much of an emergency fund I have because I am very paranoid, partially for reasons like this. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I mean, you're the personal finance equivalent of a prepper. (laughs) Yes, correct. (laughs) Yeah, right. I have have like a two-year emergency fund. Yeah, but no mistake, this is bad. She says her arthritis has been flaring up big time since this started, which never happens since she started taking this drug. She's frustrated and not just for herself. Because it's there's so many other people that are going to be screwed over by it. Yeah. 
There are a lot of people with a lot less time, energy, know-how, and financial cushion than Lillian Karabayak. I mean, that's pretty much everybody. And millions of us have serious, even deadly conditions that require medicine that at U.S. prices, pretty much none of us can afford to pay on our own. This is one of the reasons why I say we can't win them all. But we don't have to lose them all either. Coming up next time on An Arm and a Leg, closing the justice gap. Like, say some hospital is suing you for a bill that you don't even owe. If you can't afford a lawyer and you probably can't find a free one because there's not enough supply of help that's available, you are out of luck. That's Rohan Pavaluri. He runs a nonprofit that's got a plan to help. Except what they're proposing to do, train some non-lawyers to at least give you some tips, it's technically a felony. And he's got a plan for that too. First step, suing the state of New York. He wins that. There's 49 more states to sue. I'm pretty excited about this plan, actually. And that's next time on An Arm and a Leg. Till then, take care of yourself. This episode of An Arm and a Leg was produced by me, Dan Weissman, with a lot of help from Emily Pisacreta and edited by Marion Wang. Daisy Rosario is our consulting managing producer. Adam Raimunda is our audio wizard. Our music is by Dave Weiner and Blue Dot Sessions. Gabrielle Healy is our managing editor for Audience. She edits the First Aid Kit newsletter. This season of An Arm and a Leg is a co-production with Kaiser Health News. That's a nonprofit news service about healthcare in America. It's an editorially independent program of the Kaiser Family Foundation. Kaiser Health News is not affiliated with Kaiser Permanente, the big healthcare outfit. They share an ancestor, the 20th century industrialist Henry J. Kaiser. When he died, he left half his money to the foundation that later created Kaiser Health News. You can learn more about him and Kaiser Health News at armandalegshow.com slash Kaiser. Diane Weber is national editor for broadcast at Kaiser Health News. She is their editorial liaison to this show. Thanks to Public Narrative. That's a Chicago-based group that helps journalists and nonprofits tell better stories for serving as our fiscal sponsor, allowing us to accept tax-exempt donations. You can learn more about Public Narrative at www.publicnarrative.org. And earlier, I mentioned our first aid kit newsletter. That's where we are writing down some of the most useful information we found in reporting for this show. You might want to subscribe. You can do that and read everything we've written so far at armandalegshow.com slash newsletter. Thanks.